This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. There's a new DA in town. After a contentious recall campaign, months of debate, and polarized speculation, Mayor London Breed announced last week that former prosecutor Brooke Jenkins is San Francisco's new district attorney. In her announcement, Breed said Jenkins comes from a, quote, place of fairness, and she underscored how critical that is for public safety in the city. This is about striking a balance and doing what's right and making sure, yes, there are reforms, but that victims, especially those who have been burglarized, attacked, assaulted, that they have a voice, that they have a say. Concerns over issues of crime and safety led to the historic recall of former district attorney Chesa Boudin. It was historic because it galvanized some new voters. It was incredibly expensive, and it was seen across the country as a referendum on criminal justice reform. New district attorney Brooke Jenkins played a major role in that campaign. And that's not to be understated in any way. Jenkins quit her job in the district attorney's office to become the head spokesperson of the campaign to recall her former boss. She was in the spotlight, giving interviews to the media, explaining why she stopped working for Boudin a man who was once seen as a leader of progressive criminal justice reform, not just for San Francisco, but also for the country. His policies and approach is anything but progressive. To the contrary, uh, his approach has been extreme and radical. So who exactly is Brooke Jenkins? Chronicle reporters Mallory Mensch and Rachel Swan join me to discuss Breed's latest appointment and how the DA's office may change under Jenkins' leadership. Later, I'll be joined by San Francisco State political science professor Jason McDaniel to talk about why picking Jenkins is consequential for Breed. First, Mallory and Rachel, thanks for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So Mallory, I'd love to start with you. A lot of names were being thrown around for Chesa Boudin's replacement, including San Francisco supervisor Catherine Stephanie. What made Brooke Jenkins the right choice for Breed, which she announced last week? Breed basically said that she talked with a lot of people in the city who told her that they wanted someone who could balance both accountability for criminals and criminal justice reform. She also said it was really important to have someone who has experience prosecuting violent crimes in particular, which Brooke Jenkins does have. And then she did note that Brooke is diverse. She's Black and Latina, and she's said her family has experienced police violence and also been victims of crimes. So Breed pointed this out and said that kind of experience, she felt, led her to have some balance of compassion and fairness. So, Rachel, who exactly is Brooke Jenkins? We know she was the head spokesperson for the Recall Chase of Boudin campaign. Mallory just mentioned she's Black and Latina. She's from the Bay Area. And unlike Boudin, she actually is a prosecutor. Tell me more about her background. One thing that has stood out to me in my conversations with her past and current colleagues 
is that she appears to be a really ambitious person. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people described her as just having this meteoric rise in the DA's office where she came in as a volunteer. And then as soon as she got on the payroll, bump, 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 bump. She went from misdemeanors to general felonies to sexual assaults to homicide. At one point, she led a hate crimes unit. So she climbed the ladder, essentially, within a fairly compressed time frame, really ascending to these more prestigious units. And she was promoted by Boudin, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same time, you know, we know she is a mom with two kids. People have described her as pretty humble and One of her colleagues on the recall campaign said she does have this quality of treating everyone with a lot of dignity, regardless of their role in the campaign. So those were like two kind of themes that emerged. And so, Mallory, we know that Chesa Boudin used to be Jenkins's boss, and then she left his administration and made a sharp pivot, becoming the head spokesperson in the campaign to recall him. Why did she make that move? She previously told the Chronicle it was for a few reasons. In general, she felt that he was prioritizing ideology over accountability, and she disagreed with his handling of some cases that she felt like led to bad outcomes for victims. Uh, She also seemed to take particular issue with uh, how he managed the office and fired about half a dozen prosecutors when he joined the office and blanket bans on certain policies that she felt took away decisions from prosecutors like herself to be able to make those decisions in individual cases. And finally, on a personal note, one of these cases that she did disagree with was the handling of the prosecution of the alleged killers of her husband's 18-year-old cousin who was shot and killed. She had wanted some harsher charges, and uh, Boudin apparently did not agree with that, and so she disagreed with how he handled that case. And Mallory, what are some of the main changes that Boudin had made in the DA's office that she specifically disagreed with? There are a few things. One is that he banned uh, cash bail. He also did not want to charge people with additional gang enhancements and strikes from prior convictions, which are both things that could ramp up charges and ramp up the sentencing for people if they're charged with those. And then finally, he also had a policy to not charge juveniles as adults. And Jenkins is pretty previously said that she agrees with the spirit of those bans, but as a blanket across everything that she she didn't want to see that. She wanted to see that maybe these need to be used on a case-by-case basis and we should give prosecutors the discretion to do that. And Rachel, exactly how important was Jenkins's voice during the recall Boudin campaign? What role did she play in galvanizing support for that cause? Can you remind us? I remember seeing her, you know, doing a lot of media interviews and really being in the spotlight during that time. I mean, honestly, Cecilia, like she was an incredibly powerful symbol Mm -hmm. in the recall campaign. I mean, she was one of two prosecutors who left the office at the same time. The other was Donald Dubain, who left the office in October of 2021 specifically to join the recall campaign. It was like a really big statement. And it seemed to me as more of an observer that this is really when the recall campaign got electrified and kind of animated by these two prosecutors making the this statement mm-hmm. of a loss of faith in the office and now I'm going to work to get my former boss removed. And for both of you, what has been the reaction to Breed's decision here from both recall supporters of Boudin and opponents? 
Well, it's definitely across the gamut. Uh, some people love her. Some people hate her, mostly depending on, I guess, where they fall in their support of Boudin, since she has become pretty oppositional to him. People who supported the recall and said that they applaud this because they want to see more accountability for people who are criminals, especially repeat offenders, and they think she'll bring some more of that tough love that they think will make the city safer. They also said, look, she has the experience and um, she comes from a diverse background, so she's representing the city. Um, People on the other side say, well, she's just going back to antiquated tough on crime policies and um, they question some of her track record as well. And Rachel, I know that some critics have questioned her ethics as a prosecutor. Why? There have been a couple controversies in terms of how she handled cases. I mean, one is fairly high profile in the sense that she has described it as the case that really prompted her to quit the office. She was prosecuting a murder case against this guy, uh, Daniel Gudino, who basically my understanding is Mission District resident, uh, 28, 29-year-old guy, had like a history of severe mental distress, like schizoaffective disorder, became very delusional with COVID and wound up thinking his mother was possessed by a demon and killed her, thinking he was trying to kill the demon. In this case, the defense was seeking a not guilty by reason of insanity ruling. And then uh, Jenkins, I guess, wanted the judge to rule from the bench. And at this point, uh, Boudin or her supervisor intervened and said, no, we're going to decide this guy's insane. So, I mean, while this is not a case of like a violation of ethics, this is an instance where critics of Jenkins saw a prosecutor aggressively pursuing um, a life prison sentence for someone who was clearly mentally insane, who they thought should be in, where he is now in a state hospital, so still locked up, but in more of like a, as a patient. You know, they just saw this as a very zealous prosecution. I mean, she obviously saw it as interference by her boss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While that's not a breach of ethics, observers would say, well, how, how are you calling yourself a progressive prosecutor? And Mallory, critics have also pointed out that even though Jenkins calls herself a progressive prosecutor, she also has taken some positions that have raised flags for them. Some of the things you mentioned, like restoring cash bail, charging juveniles as adults. How is she defining progressive reform in her own way? I spoke to Jenkins last Friday, and this is how she defined it. I think it means that you have a dedication to prioritizing alternatives to incarceration where you can. And it means that you are innovative in finding and developing alternatives to incarceration. And that is something that I've been dedicated to. She did also clarify what she plans to do with Boudin's existing policies at this time. I was very clear, and I will remain very clear, that I don't think blanket one-size-fits-all policies are always appropriate. I think prosecutorial discretion is extremely valuable and necessary to do this job. But I am not, at this time, going to rescind any specific policy. But even so, Jenkins did say that she hopes that San Francisco residents and voters, they should expect to feel quite a bit of difference with her approach to public safety. I think they can expect a complete shift in the tone. You know, again, it will be clear to the public both inside San Francisco and across the Bay Area, that we are no longer a safe haven for criminal activity and that there will be accountability in San Francisco. So, Rachel, what are you looking at closely now in terms of 
potential future policy changes with Jenkins as the new city DA. One thing to really watch closely is what she does with cash bail. Mm-hmm. The elimination of cash bail, that's something Chesa Boudin thought was really important, something that he instituted when he took office. That's something that's become kind of widely accepted as something that district attorneys are doing right now. She has signaled in the past that she may um, retreat from that. Will be really interesting to see what she does with three strikes. Mm-hmm. Boudin was not going to really use the three strikes law to put people away for, for life. And um, this was something that became controversial within his office. But I mean, the three strikes law is something that a lot of people are starting to see as, you know, outdated and um, it's kind of fallen out of favor. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting to see what she does in terms of trying juveniles as adults. Regardless of how people feel about Boudin, these are things that are like widely popular. It seems that among both the left side of the Democratic Party, but also among the more moderates, you know, that there is wide agreement that we should reconsider a lot of these policies um, of the 1990s. And I know property crime is a top concern for San Francisco residents. Has she said anything about that? That was one of the interesting and salient things she brought up in her first um, speech to reporters. She said, it's not just violent crime that must be the priority of the DA's office. No longer can we be indifferent to property crimes. And no longer can we as a city view certain crimes as victimless. Every single type of crime affects all of us. It affects our quality of life. And for those who own businesses in this city, it affects their livelihoods. So she is hating on an issue that really kind of has fired up social media and galvanized people. And it was an interesting statement to make. And then the other thing that she really hit on when she first spoke to reporters was open air drug markets. I think that a part of recovery is accountability. It's the first step in recovery. And so I think we have to be more diligent in the way that we handle those who possess drugs for use on our streets um, to get them help. It is not compassion to leave people on the street suffering. And so um, as a DA's office, and we will work with the mayor's office and, and all the other agencies around the city to determine what the best way to handle certain situations are. She basically signaled, like, I'm going to crack down on this, you know, this this drug use that is really bothering you, this, like, misery that you're seeing outside and this obvious despair. Like, I'm going to I'm going to do something about this. So we started this conversation talking about why Breed ultimately chose Jenkins for this position. Some people have called the choice bold and risky. What do you both think is at stake for Mayor London Breed now? There is a lot at stake uh, for Mayor Breed, especially because she's basically set her political future on public safety in the city. She came out super strongly in December when she first said that I'm going to crack down on on all this that's going on in the city and specifically drug use and drug dealing. And not much happened with that in terms of changes, but maybe with a new DA partnering on that, there could be some change on the streets on that. But basically also during this whole recall process, Boudin was a scapegoat for many things in the city. So people could point at him and say, look, he's the problem. He's the reason that we have crime. But now that Boudin's gone, people will say, well, look, you appointed this district attorney. So what is she doing? How is she addressing the problem? 
is crime getting better or not? And if it's not, then people may uh, blame Mayor Breed um, and it could have an influence for her reelection, also depending on how Jenkins does if she succeeds in her own election. One thing that's also interesting too, just dovetailing off of that, this is a DA who's going to stay in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point there was speculation as to, oh, maybe Breed will just pick a super boring person to be the DA who can just manage the office and, you know, Twitter will forget about the DA for a while. You know, that's not going to happen anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is someone who left Boudin's office so that she could get him out of office. You know, so this is like the most direct repudiation that we've seen yet of the former district attorney. Mallory Mensch and Rachel Swan are reporters at The Chronicle. Find their coverage of Brooke Jenkins online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Mayor Breed's appointment of Jenkins to the DA office is a strong repudiation of former DA Chesa Boudin. What are the stakes now for the mayor as she looks ahead to her own re-election? After a quick break, political science professor Jason McDaniel joins me to discuss that. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Responsible reform does not have to come at the expense of public safety, and public safety does not have to come at the expense of reform. As your district attorney, I vow, I promise to balance both in the pursuit of justice and safety for all. That was Brooke Jenkins speaking after she was sworn in as San Francisco's new district attorney last Friday afternoon. I'm joined now by political science professor Jason McDaniel from San Francisco State University. Jason, thanks for joining me. What we just heard was Jenkins emphasizing that she's balanced and fair, Those are qualities that led Mayor London Breed to pick her. What do you make of Breed's choice? I think it's a risky choice, but also one that has potential to be quite a strong one. I can see uh, a lot of the reasons why the mayor uh, chose her, but I can also see some risks in the sense of both not having much governing experience, not having much managerial experience in the DA's office. That was a criticism of Jason Boudin. And this is someone who's got experience as a prosecutor, but not necessarily as a governing managerial prosecutor. So I see some risks there, but I also see some risks when it comes to politics. And Mayor Breed has underscored that it's really important to strike a balance between reform and making sure that victims of crimes get their justice. I want you to explain that to me a little bit. Describe the line that Breed has to carefully walk at this moment. Who does she have to appeal to? Is it everyone or certain groups of stakeholders? I do think there's been some sense in San Francisco lately of government not being as competent and serving the public 
as well as it should, just in terms of sort of nuts and bolts, liberal government in San Francisco doing a good job, doing the things that it sets out to do well. I think a lot of people have expressed some sort of frustration, whether it be school board level or a DA's office or the corruption scandals, you know, in City Hall. What we've seen here is that the politics when it comes to law enforcement and policing, sometimes what some people think of doing the job, perhaps people in the law enforcement community or prosecuting people for crimes by others see it as a uh, lack of justice rather than serving justice, right? A dis- disparateness in terms of representing the people. That is a very tough line to walk these days. I, I think the mayor understands. I think the vast majority of people in San Francisco support the idea of, of a liberal, uh, compassionate justice system that is not just tough on crime, conservative or reactionary, but also want one that works. And perhaps some people might feel a sense of, of lawlessness or disorder and want this you know, new regime with a new DA appointed by the mayor to do something about that or to make them feel safer. I think the, the most important thing for me, from my point of view, though, is that communities, especially communities that feel perhaps the brunt of, of police misconduct when it does happen, marginalized communities, especially in the African-American and Latino communities, also some of the Asian-American communities in San Francisco as well, that they feel, I think, represented in a sort of democratic political way. And we know in political science that people do feel more actually substantively represented. They feel like government is doing a better job of representing their interest when it's someone who looks like them or comes from a similar community or similar background. And so I think that's a lot of what's going into this choice. But at the same time, Brooke Jenkins has indicated that she wants to sort of retreat from what Boudin has represented. And when Boudin stepped into office in 2020, there was so much buzz about what he would bring to the table, that he would set the tone for progressive criminal justice reform nationally. And now Jenkins is quite different. So what do you think Breed is indicating with this particular pick? Is she trying to retreat from that or redefine what progressive reform could look like? I think that's a great way of putting it. I I do think whether the mayor would say something like that, I don't know. But the idea that there's only either progressive criminal justice policies as advocated by Chase Boudin and his supporters or law and order, tough on crime policies. There, there is space in between those. There was a clear rebuke of Chase Boudin. Now, whether that is about policies or not, that's a little bit more complicated. But I think anybody who was appointed to this office, if they didn't do something to say they're going to do something different, take a little a new direction, that they would be in trouble. So I think it's about some things, rolling them back rather than ending them, perhaps doing it in a, in a slower way. I often thought that perhaps uh, uh, Boudin might have had a more success if he had been a little bit more incremental, which maybe not was what he preferred or what his supporters might have wanted. At the same time, I think the new DA has to be careful to not then perhaps overcorrect, because I, I don't think that voters were really wholesale rejecting progressive policies or more compassionate, restorative justice, criminal justice type policies. I don't think San Francisco voters were rejecting those wholesale. So it is more of a different approach, maybe one that's a little bit more prosecutorial, a little bit more friendly, or at least in partnership with the law enforcement community, rather than seeing it perhaps as a opponent. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, as someone who thinks about political science deeply and teaches it, you know, the San Francisco is just such a fascinating city for politics. And some people now are saying with everything that's happened that the term progressive prosecutor is now meaningless. What do you think? It's not meaningless, but um, it's under construction or perhaps reconstruction. Um, 
again, I think that what I call the Progressive Coalition in San Francisco, it does a really good job of coordinating its disparate groups together to support their chosen candidates. That takes political skill. They've done a really good job of, of creating what it means to be progressive as a kind of group, as a coalition. And these two recalls, the school board recalls and this particular recall of, of Boudin, is a challenge for that project, right? The idea of progressive DA, meaning Chase Boudin, is I think going to be a challenge for progressives going forward, right? Uh, and then therefore does leave space for someone like Brooke Jenkins, who's supported by the mayor, to claim a mantle of being a progressive DA statewide, nationwide. I think there's space to reflect what it means to be progressive DA nationally and statewide, different though than perhaps what it means here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think San Francisco is usually more influential in its in its policies and its ideological worldview when the different factions of our politics are united. And so I do think there's space to create a kind of uh, a vision of progressive reform that is not law and order reactionary and it's not perhaps fully everything that someone like Jason Boudin would have wanted, but some combinations of, of different visions The key to me, though, is that it has to work. The government has to work and there has to be buy-in from all the different elements and the community. That's the challenge, I think, for our new DA. Mm -hmm. And it's also just felt like all eyes has been on San Francisco. The whole country looked at this recall race very closely. And the mayor has taken on a tough-on-crime stance, you know, in response to just criticism of how San Francisco has uh, handled public safety Breed was very intentional about not taking a stance on Boudin's recall, but yet she's chosen Brooke Jenkins, the head spokesperson for the recall campaign. What is she saying now? I've heard people you know, criticizing this choice because it seems like one of the chief spokespersons for the recall is now the DA. That seems to be unseemly for some. But for me, that speaks as a political scientist. I study the way candidates are perceived by voters. And what we find over and over again is that women are judged to a different standard when it comes to political ambition. Hmm. Right. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more in our city about this particular choice, especially that we should be careful to criticize someone for being politically ambitious because it is public service. This is not going to be an easy job. And this is a risky choice for the mayor. This person is going to have to learn how to run for election, I assume. And, and that's going to be challenging. So I don't like when people are saying, you know, because it's an appointment, it seems unseemly when it's really a woman that's 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 being politically ambitious. Because I, I've just seen it over and over again that women are more likely to be criticized for their ambition and their you know passion to to maybe change things. Mm-hmm. So I think I think London Breed is you know perhaps staking a claim for that kind of energy, but also at the same time, there is a, especially a kind of dedicated right-wing political machine that wants to use San Francisco as a punching bag. And they have tried to do that with the Chase of Boudin recall. I think they've been mistaken to say that this is progressive voters and liberal voters rejecting progressive policies. I think they're wrong about that for the most part. And so I think the mayor does have a kind of responsibility to think about the city as a whole. What image are we portraying to the, to the world right, in terms of not just tourism, right, but being a sense of progressive and liberal democratic values. And I suspect that kind of thing, whether it's intentional or not, is being reflected in this current choice. Mm. So now we've got approximately four months until the November election. That's when San Francisco voters will elect the city's DA. What will Breed have to prove with her Jenkins appointment? What kind of results will be important for that election? Look, I think it's quite clear that if Jenkins runs, which I think is safe to assume and and is not elected, that would be a a demerit for Mayor Breed's appointment and for her influence in governing the city. And 
it seems to me that the key potential risk here is that, especially maybe perhaps portions of the uh, the Asian-American and Chinese-American electorate might feel disappointed in, the, in this choice. It seems possible that, that someone like Nancy Tung, who seemed to be under consideration for this appointment, might want to run. She ran previously. I would expect her to receive a strong amount of support from uh, especially the Chinese-American community in San Francisco, which is a very mobilized, politically involved community and, and was part of the Boudin recall. Some of those voters might see themselves being more open to other candidates besides the one the mayor appointed. I think there's a risk there. There's some work for the mayor to do and for Brooke Jenkins to do to try to reassure that community that they hear their concerns. If I were politically advising the mayor and the new DA, I would I would tell them to focus on that. So what do you think Brooke Jenkins has to deliver in these next four months? It seems like heavy prosecution will be a large part of it. Is that right? It's hard for me to say that, but I, I would expect that there has to be some sense of a change of direction uh, um, from uh, uh, the previous regime under Boudin. For me, I would look for more partnership uh, within the government, right? Different parts of the government working together on a kind of common agenda, right? That's what I would want to see. And I think prosecution is going to be a part of that. It's a short amount of time. I think people are underestimating what a risky choice this might be. It's going to be challenging for her to sort of become known by the electorate, potentially facing some famous, you know, or well-known other candidates, uh, not having much time. You know, we should also be looking at you know, is there too much of a cozy relationship perhaps with the police union? That might be something that gets a lot of political attention. And that's a tightrope that anybody in that office is going to have to walk. And I think doing their best to assemble a quality, experienced, competent prosecutorial team, perhaps releasing fewer people, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, very quickly or, or charging more serious crimes. And they better hope that none of the people, if they do decide not to charge people, get out and commit more crimes that get a lot of attention. Professor McDaniel, thank you so much for your insight. I appreciate the time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Jason McDaniel is a professor of political science at San Francisco State. Thank you to him and reporters Mallory Mensch and Rachel Swan for chatting with me. Special thanks to Mallory for the interview and press conference audio that you heard in this episode. Again, you can find Mallory and Rachel's coverage of new San Francisco DA Brooke Jenkins online now at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thank you to Karen Creighton for producing this episode with me and to you for listening.